0: You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. Today we're going to talk about first-party data strategies and how to be successful in a world of cookie deprecation, evolving data privacy regulations, the evolution of data clean rooms, and retail media networks. It's a lot to get to. So to help me discuss these topics, I'd like to welcome Derek Slager, CTO at Amparity. Derek, welcome to the show. Thanks, Greg. Great to be here. Yeah, looking forward to talking about all of this with you. Um, why don't we get started, though, with you giving a little background on yourself as well as what, uh, what you're currently doing at Amparity.
1: Sounds great. Yeah, I'm the CTO and co-founder at Amparity. Uh, and Amparity, we've been around since 2016. So relatively, uh, relatively recent upstart in sort of the, the long history of, of customer data-related companies. And, and Amparity exists to help customers solve the unified customer view problem the company exists because we kept hearing from consumer brands hey the most important thing for us is to have a unified view of customer and we don't have one and we found it odd that so many people wanted this thing and so few uh, so few had it and so we started a company to try and drive some 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 innovation to help more companies solve for that unified view of customer challenge and you know since then as as the landscape has evolved since our founding in, in, in 2016, we've kind of, uh, you know, attached ourselves to the customer data platform category, but, but always focused really in our roots around that kind of consolidation of data, stitching things together, and really thinking about data comprehensively as sort of the thing that powers everything you want to do, right? You, you we, There's a number of topics we'll talk about today. And the way we look at things at Amparity is, hey, better data, better results, right? And, and, and that's true whether you're talking about kind of traditional, MarTech use cases, but also kind of everything that's, that's, that's yet to come. When we talk about data clean rooms, we talk about retail media, we talk about uh, changes in ad tech, we're always looking at, at, at that through the lens of better data, better results. And, and so that's really what Amparity is about. That's great. That's great.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely familiar with Amparity as well. I know um, Barry Paget, of uh, Amparity's CEO actually wrote the the forward to uh, my latest book, House of the Customer. So it was great to chat with him. And he was a guest on the show as, as well uh, about a year and a half ago. So yeah, looking forward to having having you here and, and talking about this this topic. So, you know, anyone in marketing and advertising has certainly been feeling the effects of this generational shift that's happening due to third-party cookie deprecation as well as continually evolving data privacy regulations. So Depending on the stats you read, uh, there's a lot of them out there. Well, marketers are certainly aware that these changes are happening. You know, cookie deprecation already in progress, and uh, you know, Google's pushed the dates back a few a few times on on Chrome, but it's it's happening. Um, to me, and and what I'm what I'm seeing and hearing, it doesn't seem like marketers and advertisers are as prepared as they should be. So. You know, first question here, you know, where are brands getting stuck in their preparation to have a true first party data strategy?
1: Yeah, I think it's a good question. And I think in the context of these privacy changes, a really important one. And I think that's a pretty uncontroversial thing to say, right? I think that's the one um, sort of generic piece of advice you can get from everybody. Hey, the world's changing. What do I do? I mean, most, most people, the consensus is, well, you should figure out your first party data strategy. So that's sort of the easy part. Uh, And I think what a lot of people struggle with is the, okay, then what? And we're in this really weird in-between period, right? Where everyone's like, okay, we can see the finish line. Everyone knows what's going to happen. It's one of those rare cases where it's easy to predict the future. But nobody's really exactly sure what to do about it because we're still... Stuck in this mode where we have, uh, you know, one foot in, in the old way of doing things, and uh, and and you know, some brands have have a foot in the new way of doing things, but a lot of them are just sort of like, I don't know, I'll, I'll wait and see, I guess. And uh, and some part of that is surprising to me, right? It's like, well, given that we have this visibility into into what's going to change, obviously everybody's going to be panicked about this, right? But but when I talk to people at brands. A lot of them say, and, and I'll ask them that question specifically. I'll say, "Hey, why aren't you more panicked about this?" Uh, and what I hear from a lot of people who are leaders at brands is, "Look, I'm not going to be the trailblazer here, right? I, I think it's okay for me to, you know, focus on the things I can control. You know, I've got the memo. Yeah, I've got to, uh, I've got to build that first-party data foundation, but I'm going to let other people, you know, figure out, figure out what happens next." And I think, on the one hand, that's sort of a rational response. But on the other hand, I think it's a real missed opportunity because while we're in this in-between period where we have the old way of doing things and at least some clarity on the options for the new way of doing things, right? Whether that's, you know, smarter contextual or, you know, testing out the privacy sandbox or, or doing more with direct first-party activation, onboarding to the various uh, ad platforms that support that, now's a perfect time to be trying that stuff, right? And, 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 and to be testing that, uh, against the old ways of doing things and, and and preparing yourself to be, you know, even if you're half a step ahead of everybody else, when when your hand is forced next year in in twenty twenty four, I mean, you know, a small advantage can be substantial, you know, given the given the impact of uh, of the of the spending uh, and the impact of sort of the, the 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 noise level that 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 exists here. Yeah, yeah.
0: Do you see? you know from from your purview as you know from the technology angle you know are are approaches and technologies still evolving substantially enough that you know do you see there there's definitely some some leaders there's there's several laggards as as well to your to your point do you think that things are evolving quickly enough sort of towards the end here of i, I, I mean i'm kind of looking at the the google chrome you know cookie deprecation is that that's a pretty big point in time i think uh, other data privacy regulations are going to keep evolving and continue to evolve of course but like do you think that technology is evolving substantially enough where some of those laggards are going to be able to catch up or is there going to be a you know some point in the in the near future where it's just going to there it's the the gap is going to be so so big between the leaders
1: and laggards that it's, it's, it's going to be tough to catch up? I think it's an important question. And, and the reason I think it's an important question is I think a lot of the people who are laggards, and I've had conversations with many of them, are looking at this as if this is just the next evolution in a long line of changes in in, in sort of the advertising uh, ecosystem, and and look, people who've been doing this for for twenty years have seen those evolutions, right. uh, and I think a lot of people are, uh, are are not being you know as aware as they should be of how impactful this change is. This isn't just ah oh, we're replacing one way of doing thing with kind of a different way of doing things, or you know we're doing a little bit more in programmatic. Uh, this is like a complete shift from can collect data arbitrarily across any touch point and, and, and correlate it, you know, using these anonymous identifiers to everything is consent driven and everything is sort of rooted in this in this privacy centric world, which means you can't do what you used to do, right? It used to be you could just wait around. Okay, let's see what's working. Oh, great. I'll go do the thing that works for somebody else. And it turns out the, the trailblazing work that somebody else did to figure out what works wasn't that uniquely valuable to them, right? Look at it through the, uh, through the lens of Facebook. If you're a, if you're a mega brand uh, or you're, you know, the flower shop on the corner, Facebook's tools are the same, right? Like the, 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 the data you have access to is the same. Your spend levels may be different. There may be some kind of nuances in the, in the contractual relationship, but in the end, uh, it's their data and you're renting it. Uh, and so I think a lot of people are just saying, hey, we'll wait and see. But it turns out there's going to be less of that data for rent, right? And supply and demand says that that's going to get more expensive. And so you have to be much more conscious about sort of the, the differentiated data that you have. It's part of the reason everybody gives everybody the advice to, to, to be really conscious about organizing and, and, and collecting first party data, because that's going to be, um, you know, that's going to be your leverage point in a very, very new world this certainly bridges into the you know into the other topics we 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 have to talk about today around things like retail media and clean rooms right your your currency in those uh, in those conversations is your first party data and so it's not like we're shifting from one pile of third party data to some other pile of third party data we're we're, we're actually destroying one of those third party piles of data and it's not going to be replaced with some other third party data and even if that sort of sounds obvious, like people have heard that a bunch, I I, I see a lot of people who haven't internalized what that really means, uh, and I think those people will 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 end up being very surprised when they can't just go swipe the credit card in some new place uh, and fill that gap.
0: Yeah, and to maybe to oversimplify, but but to your point, it's to me it's it seems like it's not a. It's not a software patch where okay, one day you run you run this and then okay, we'll we'll be fine, you know, and December twenty, right. you know, twenty-four or whenever the, the that that date is, you know, we'll right. be okay. It's not like Y two K, you know, we're we're gonna update the software. It's a process change, right? And it's a philosophy of how you collect data and interact with it as, as much as it is
1: a technology change as well. Would you say that's right. correct? It it is, and, and and to illustrate that, I've 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 had conversations with people who've said things like, "Oh yeah, no no, I get it. Like the third party uh, cookies going away, but but don't worry." They're just going to replace that with some new ID. <laughs> right. I was like, no, 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 no. That's that's not that's not what's happening here. Like, yes, there will be new IDs, but those are not like what came before. These are uh, these new IDs are going to be completely built in this future-proof, privacy-centric world. They'll they'll come with consent, and there will be a lot fewer of them, and that has real implications on uh, on how you're going to use them. So so I think it's a grave error to just sort of shrug and say, ah, new IDs. Uh, will replace old IDs. That's not what's happening here, and I think it's very important for brand leaders to understand the difference.
0: Before we continue, I'd like to introduce you to a sponsor of the show, Partner Hero. Customer service outsourcing has long been available mainly to large enterprise businesses with long-term contracts and onerous procurement processes. Partner Hero is challenging business as usual and bringing the benefits of outsourcing to small and medium businesses as well as startups. With short, flexible contracts and fast ramp-up times, Partner Hero is making customer support outsourcing a viable option for small and medium businesses and startups. It's perfect for companies with seasonality expecting a temporary spike in volume or that simply need to scale up, and their focus on quality means your customers will get an experience that feels like it comes from your team. If you're ready to bring in outside customer support help for your company that feels like it's part of your existing team, check out Partner Hero. Head on over to partnerhero.com slash agile, that's partnerhero.com slash A-G-I-L-E, to book a free consultation with their solutions team. Mention you heard about Partner Hero from the Agile brand and the way of the setup fee. Now let's get back to the show. And so you you touched on retail media networks, and I wanted to get to that too, so let's... let's... Let's jump to that. And so, I've had uh, one or two guests talk about that on the show before. But for those that maybe missed that, maybe a little less familiar with the term, why don't we start with what exactly do we mean when we say retail media network? You touched a little bit on this, but you know, why why are they so important as of late?
1: Yeah, I, I think there's 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 a lot of like really complicated ways to describe retail media networks, and there's and there's different layers and different manifestations. The way I typically think about and, and, and talk about retail media is sort of in kind of a future adjusted world. So imagine the cookie's gone and you're trying to replace all that third party data. Well, where, where do you go? Where did the third party data go? I mean, the third party data was always constructed from these, you know, different collections of first party data. Ultimately, it has to get collected somewhere. And so, you know, retail media is sort of, you know, if you think about um, sort of, you know, classic companies that have done retail media for a long time, you know, Kroger, the Home Depot, those companies, you know, have long created opportunities for people to use their their spaces, whether those are in-store or online, uh, as an advertising channel, right? Back in the day, that might have been on the receipt that printed out um, at the cash register uh, at Kroger. And, and, and today, obviously, there's very sophisticated online versions of that where I go to the Home Depot and search for a product and there's opportunities for people to advertise against that search term. Those are all examples of retail media. And I think you know, if you sort of imagine you know, Kroger and the Home Depot And companies like that who have you know really high quality first-party data assets you could almost think of them like you know little miniature facebooks uh, or or little miniature googles uh, as we enter the new world and uh, and of course that sounds a little bit dumbed down and oversimplified but but that's sort of what's happening here right to connect why there's so much attention on retail media which is kind of an old term and an old concept why is that so hot right now and so important right now. Well, it's because of all these other things that are happening, that's gonna be where you need to go to find quality data and quality signal. And it's, and it's a really interesting opportunity for brands like Kroger and the Home Depot to, to have much more leverage on the incredible customer databases and customer relationships that they've built.
0: Yeah, yeah. So would you say that the retail media land grab is over? And if so, you know, what, what should brands do now when considering how to proceed in this space?
1: Yeah, I think it's a good question, right? If you think about retail media, I think the, the, the people who are leaders there uh, are the people you'd expect to be the leaders there. Those are the people with the data, right? The data have. Uh, and, and, and I think they've gotten the memo and they're realizing, wow, this could be really interesting and lucrative for us. And so I see a lot of, a lot of really innovative thinking from the companies that have that data. They're preparing themselves for kind of the new wave uh, of retail media, I think what remains to be seen is 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 what happens with the data have nots, right? and 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 for the same reason that I think a lot of people have sort of you know dragged their feet on preparing for the loss of the cookie. I think this is closely re- related to that. And so you know, I do think that a lot of people are going to maybe claim their claim their area of land. Uh, but for that land to be valuable, we've got to, uh, we've got to let a little bit more time pass uh, and wait until more people are sort of panicked about, wait a second, I can't do this thing I used to do. Uh, what do I do next? Yeah. And I think a lot of people will naturally find their way to these retail media opportunities for, for growing their business.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the last topic I wanted to talk about is data clean rooms and demystifying them a little bit. Cause I think it's uh, it's something that I'm, hearing a lot about them and they're, they're getting a lot of attention, but it, it seems to have a somewhat murky definition. So, yep. you know, first question here, just kind of like with the retail media networks, you know, what exactly do we mean when we say data clean room?
1: Yeah, um, uh, <laughs> that's trickier than, um, uh, than it seems like it could be because, uh, and I think, and actually one of the most important things to understand about data clean rooms is as we enter this brave new world of advertising technology, there's going to be more than one data clean room in, in use for a brand. And they might, they might kind of work a little bit differently. In general, if you sort of oversimplify and, and, and say, hey, third-party data is going away entirely, that's, that's an overstatement. But if you sort of think about that, you say, well, wait a second. That means as a starting point, I've just got my first-party data, but how do I, how do, I do more, yeah. right? Uh, I need to use somebody else's first-party data typically referred to as as, as second-party data. And if you think about that, well, how do I combine my first-party data with somebody else's first-party data in a way that, that honors and respects the consent and privacy that are the new normal? And that's really the space that data clean rooms set out to fill. And that sounds a little bit conceptual, and it sort of has to be for us to talk about data clean rooms in general because there are different use cases, right? Like if you're just doing a simple overlap analysis to say, hey, how many shared customers do we have? Uh, we might want to use... The result of that information uh, to plan some joint marketing activities with a with a with a close partner that might be one use case for a data clean room. In that particular case, you know, two two sets of data go in and just one number effectively comes out, which is the yeah. percentage overlap and maybe some other aggregate statistics. There's other instantiations instantiations of clean room where, let's say, let's go to the retail media example. Let's say I want to you know do some advertising with the Home Depot, right? Now I have a measurement need. I want to understand uh, how that's working, but, you know, the Home Depot is not going to hand me all of their data to figure right. that out. So uh, I may want to do some correlations across that. And, and, and once again, I'm saying first party data plus first party data. How do I do that in a privacy safe way uh, where the data coming out is safe and aggregated, not being used outside of the the, the domain of consent that I have, again, data clean room sort of conceptually fits in there. And, and I think for most, you know, if you think about that, right, in the future, I think most large brands are going to be using a variety uh, of different retail media platforms. They'll 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 of course still be using the the large advertising technology companies, you know, Meta, Amazon and, and, and Google, and all of those also in this new privacy-centric world, will have their own clean rooms. Uh, and then brands may have other clean room use cases that they take advantage of, again, to, to, to get leverage out of their own first-party data, whether or not that's directly correlated to measurement or, or retail media. And so I wish there was a way to talk about that in a, in a very uncomplicated way. I think it's one of those things where we'll probably, as this becomes more common, we'll probably develop different subcategories and it'll become easier to talk about. But right now it is, it is, it is more of a kind of conceptual framework.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so do you think this is something that brands should be it sounds like something they need to be considering for the for the longer term. Is it something they should be doing now and and taking steps 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 towards now um versus just kind of keeping an eye out and and considering or or does that just kind of
1: depend? Yeah, I'd say um I'd say the one piece of advice I'd give Everybody is, again, the same generic advice they're going to get from everybody else. So, uh, so, so not a uniquely useful piece of advice, but figure out your first party data foundation that's critically important, right? Regardless of what happens, uh, in the specifics in the future, that's going to be your currency. So, so, so do that. Should you worry about data clean rooms today? I'd say if you are a data have, yes. Uh, you should have a strategy for, for how you, uh, maximize the value of that data. And that's probably going to involve data clean rooms in a number of ways. It may be less urgent if if you're you're not sort of uh, above the threshold to be able to contemplate you know being part of that so-called land grab of retail retail media, yeah. right? If if you're yeah. just going to be using this for measurement and 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 doing the things that frankly everybody's going to be doing with data clean rooms, maybe it's okay uh, to not be panicked about that right now. But maybe one advice I'd give is be thoughtful about sort of the the, the pipes and, and and the rails. So if you're building your first party data foundation uh, and that's locked away you know in, in in your data warehouse and you haven't thought about how the data is going to you know safely and efficiently you know get from there into into enabling data clean room use cases that that's something to think about and obviously that's that's the sort of thing that you know maybe maybe a platform that's that's focused on, on customer data uh, like Imperity may be able to help with because it can kind of help you with the first party data and provide those pipes. Obviously that's not the only way to do it, but that's something to be thoughtful about. You don't wanna uh, you don't wanna find yourself in a situation where created unnecessary friction uh, to using data clean rooms when when the urgency does increase, which is likely to happen next year, um, yeah. uh, because you're going to have to act fast uh, in that particular uh, in that in that scenario to 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 make sure that you have measurement at the, at the very least. Uh, not to mention being able to kind of tap into the broader opportunities that'll be kind of rooted in your first party data currency.
0: Well, Derek, thanks so much for joining the show. I've got one last question before we wrap up here. So, you know, we've talked about a lot of things, you know, first party data, uh, retail media networks, data clean rooms, and you've given a lot of great advice already. You know, what's, what's one thing that you would say, though, to the, those that maybe fall on the laggard side of things versus versus leader? You know, what's, what's something they could do to, today to move in the right direction?
1: That's a great question, uh, and, and I think, you know, we've talked a lot about building your first-party data foundation, but I think wherever you are on that journey, I think the advice I would give is try something, right? Again, we, we're in this unique moment here where we can try something new and compare it to the old, right? We can A-B test, and, and we don't have to have all of the answers to, to, to start that process of testing and learning. And I think, you know, for brands that are laggards, I think just take that first step. Try one thing see how it works and learn from it, right? Really learn from it and, and, and think about, uh, you know, what to do next. I think a lot of people sort of get lost in the abstract and it's so helpful to just get into the details, do something, look at real results, right? Collaborate uh, with people you know, right? Whether those are other laggards or, or leaders and, uh, and share those learnings. And, and, uh, and I think you'll find uh, that you get smarter really fast by getting into action-oriented use cases. And again, don't, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Uh, it's just really valuable to, to, to go and put real use cases out there. And, you know, we've worked with a bunch of customers here that, that have been doing that and uh, have actually been really surprised by the quality of results they're able to get. In, in in large part because even though a lot of that third-party data is going away, the first-party data is so high quality uh, yeah. that in many cases people are surprised how how good the results are and how much the the sort of increase in quality makes up for the loss of sort of broad uh, broad signal. Uh, so just try something. Just try something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love that advice, and completely agree on the on the quality comment as well. That's, saying, that's what I've experienced and what I've heard as well. Well, again, I'd like to thank Derek Slager, CTO and co-founder at Amparity for joining the show. You can learn more about Derek and Amparity by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.GregKillstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, They craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.